All right, everybody, Draft Nation, Draft 412. We are on the clock, Penguins Hockey Talk. JT and my special guest once again, he does the show with me every week, Darren Vickless. Uh, before we get going, KeyBank, one of our big sponsors last year at the uh, Stage AE event. We still honor honoring their um, great um, sponsorship throughout the year. KeyBank, thank you so much for uh, the donations and stuff that you uh, did for us. And hopefully we have you back in 2024 at the uh, Stage AE event for the NFL Draft. All right. Darren, the the Penguins finally played. It was it was actually exciting to watch a Penguin game. You got to go to the game, so even more kudos to you. But it was nice to see hockey on on TV again. Uh, besides goofy NHL uh, NHL All Stars stuff, All-Star, which I, yeah. I wish I wish I would just get rid of that totally at this point. So, but talk about the game and talk about like was how was the atmosphere? Was it is it? Uh, honestly, it wasn't like a very high-strung game. Um, and part of that's the Penguins, once they scored, they kind of took control of that game, and it just didn't feel like the Jets were ever a threat. So the crowd was never on edge. But it was it was like a pleasant atmosphere if you were a Penguins fan. Um, and anytime I go to games, I always look for road jerseys. I couldn't find a single Jets fan. And, I mean, part of that's being a small market team in central Canada. But, um, yeah, it was just – it was definitely you could. It felt like a tepid first game back at first. It took the crowd a little bit to get into it. Um, I know Latang scores like four minutes in, but like the 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 crowd was surprised by the goal, so you didn't really get the crowd like pop like that explosion mm-hmm. that you get after long layoffs. But all in all, I think it was a solid crowd for what it was a Tuesday night when it was cold against the Western Conference team that nobody finds particularly interesting, even if they're good on paper. And just so you know, on TV, I did see one lady who. At the very beginning of the game, they were um, it was Black History Month, and they were showing yeah. um, they had like black um, like Boy Scouts or something. They were showing up top like a black a black troop up top, and there was one lady just standing there by herself, nobody around her, but she had a white a white jet shirt that couldn't see who <laughs> it was of. But not, not that you say that, it's only one that I witnessed in the in the looking in the crowd as well. So talk about um, the Penguins finally coming through on. On a power play, I know it's a five-minute, a five-minute power play from the Brendan Dillon hit, which we'll get into. But what, what does it mean to get a guy like? And I was listening to the radio because I was going. I have deck hockey, so I was actually listening to to it on the radio. And the announcers were talking about how they believe the Penguins should start using Jeff Carter in front of the net, like more and more on the power play. And he, See, he got that. I agree. Uh, I don't think he should be on the first unit. I think Jeff Carter is a less is more when it comes to his minutes load, but you put him on the second unit. He's a big guy. His hands are still pretty quick. And if you go look at Jeff Carter's history, he's going to, he has over 450 goals. I believe most of his goals are Patrick Hornquist esque right in the mouth, the goal mouth jumping on loose pucks. Now he's a better shot than Hornquist, but like a very similar, he's always, all of his goals for the most part are within 15 feet of the net. He wasn't some big one-time guy, like one-time shot score from range. He was he gets in the round the paint and he's a big guy. He has reach. And actually the goal he scored was a simple play. You get the puck to the net from this half wall. You have Carter in front. And because he's so tall, he can even reach all the way around a very big goaltender and a very good goalie and Connor Hellebuck. If that's any player that's not Jeff Carter, he probably doesn't they probably don't score because they don't have the reach or the ability to do that. Like Crosby, better player. So his Crosby, hands were very quick on that too. It was a very, we watch it was a very quick. That's a tough. 
it was so quick the way he like you said he wrapped it around him it was a nice just boom the, boom it was like no no hesitation his hands are still there he just can't move to get into position all the time anymore which is why again i think a fourth line deployment where you put him on the second power play as a net front guy you're big screen the net fight for deflections that sort of thing i think that's a very ideal role for him at this point now in a perfect world he's probably not on the penguins roster no shade to the guy but it's kind of like a miscalculation in terms of his salary allotment. But if you're stuck with him, that's the right way to use him. And I, and I actually turned to, I, I went with some friends, with a friend last night, and I even said to him, and I said, I actually don't hate this as long as he's not getting more than six or seven minutes a night at 5v5. I don't hate him getting some minutes on that second power play. I agree. Uh, I agree. A big guy like that. You want a big guy just in, in, in the hands are. And you know how it is. You played hockey. You're you're in the slot. Your hands got to be fast. You got to be quick. And he he picked down there, ready to fight for that loose puck. And kind of circle back to the broader point of what I thought was different on the power play. Both goals were simple. Get the puck towards the net plays. Carter in front cashes in the second one. Crosby's actually winding up for a one timer. Fans on it. The pass isn't great. It hits the shaft of his stick, so it trickles to the corner. Gensel jumps on it, just fires it into the crease. There's kind of chaos. Since Hellebuck thinks the Crosby shot's coming in hot, he overcommits the Sid, puck gets to Jake, Jake just fires it through the net mouth, and it gets the rust on the other side who taps it in before Hellebuck can even know what's going on. And I think that's the recipe for success on the power play for them, is just be simple, put it towards the net, stuff will eventually happen, your shooters are good enough. That if you just funnel the puck to the net at a more respectable rate, things are probably going to go your way more often than they don't. And that's exactly what that five-minute power play was. And I will say, though, the first two minutes of that power play, brutal. They actually sure. were very lucky that it was that not, – not lucky is not the right word because Nolachari probably suffered a significant injury. But in terms of, like, for how you're looking at it on the power play, them getting the major worked out, which is what you should do. Like, you should punish teams who make a reckless decision. And that's exactly what it was by Brendan Dillon, too. Like, I – that whole – I don't think it was an intent to hit Achari in the head. But the result is he hit Chari, Achari in the head. So you have to punish the result, not the intent. And the Penguins ended up making them pay on it. And if you notice, the Jets really didn't argue that. Like being at the game, or maybe if they zoomed in on Rick Bonus, he might have been saying something. But the Jets bench, you had no one really arguing that hit. Yeah, you like, know what? They they uh, they actually zoomed in on Rick Bonus uh, on the TV. And he, he, he gave a little shake, but I think he didn't yell or nothing. I think he knew. I, I think everybody knew. I mean, you got to. It was a careless play. There's no doubt about it. And, and that's careless a good... is the good word for it. It's not a malicious hit, but it's a hit that happened, and it's a guy that has a history. He mm-hmm. went high last year. He left the ice, actually. Broke uh, Teddy Bluger's jaw last year prior to Bluger being traded in part of all those all that stuff going on. So, I mean, it's just kind of a – it's a fluke play. But, again, like I'm a proponent of you have to punish all hits to the head regardless of intent like i think if you want to it's kind of how the nfl did it they, they punished yeah. everybody you're seeing less of those headshots you have to start doing the same thing i think in the nhl and he did dip i mean he dipped his shoulder to him and it was it was i'm not gonna say it was a cheap shot like i think it was more of a holy crap this guy i mean dylan's a taller guy and his face is right by his shoulder kind of thing but he's still if you look he gave he angled his shoulder a certain way and and we'll talk about that now you got three games today the NHL he talked to um the uh, what what do you call it the security or whatever the uh NHL the um, uh department of player safety yeah department of yeah. players that's it I couldn't ever get that but um three games is what he got do you think that's enough or do you think he should at least got the the, the five the max 
sure? I was hoping for the match simply because of the history of him breaking Beluger's jaw last year. And it's not even, oh, he's done it to the Penguins twice. Dylan's a guy who plays his entire game on the edge of legality, like a Jacob Truba or Tom Wilson. Like these, the, he, he hasn't been suspended as much as Wilson, but you get what I mean. It's a guy that does push the limits because that's just the way he is as a player. And sometimes that means you get burned. And I think having sequences, even though they both happen to the Penguins, it's not about the Penguins. It's that he's had incidents like this now in back-to-back seasons. This isn't some isolated thing now. You have a pattern of repeated offenses. I was hoping for the five games. Um, three is better than the kind of coin flip one or two that they've been giving out this year. Mm-hmm. But um, I still would have preferred five to three. And it's simply because of his history. It's not because of the play itself. And how did you how did you like the the penguins reaction? I thought the penguins reaction was great. Like they, uh, Carter, they didn't hesitate. Carter in particular and Eric Carlson too a little bit. They both went after Dylan in the scrum and were kind Instantly. of immediately and it was kind of like a what the hell man kind of yeah. reaction. Like you knew you, you they knew he screwed up, but I think Dylan did too. He his body language in the box looked like he was more annoyed with himself than he was at the call. Um, and that always tells me too. It's somebody realizing, yeah, that, that was a bad play by me. And it was. I agree, I agree with you. It, it looked like Dylan was um because he was sitting there. The referee was over by the um the linesman was over by the uh the penalty box, like pretty much knowing that they were reviewing it, and he was getting ready for the hey, you gotta yeah, gonna, you got the moment you, you see a helmet pop flying, like somebody popped the wine cork bottle, like the yeah. second a helmet goes flying, not to make light of it. Because I I think what really did damage, he gets hit in the head. If you watch on the replay, Achari's chin, his jaw, right off the ice. And you oh, can yeah, even, he had that big cut up He tries here. to get back up. He kind of gets the, the Bambi legs where he can't really get his feet underneath them. And the moment somebody does that where they're potentially out on their feet a little bit, you know it's something bad. And it sucks. He just came back from injury, and now he's back out of the lineup again. But I do think this is going to open the door for Sam Poulin a little bit. Um, I think he's the next center on the depth chart. I think you're going to see that gets called up. I mean, to me, that's the guy I would bring up, and I would even try and give him a bit of a look on the power play. Not to totally pivot away from Achari's injury, but it's the next man up thing. They're on the verge of a playoff bubble. If you go by points percentage, they're actually the third best team in their division, um, and they need to win their games in hand. So you can't be mourning the loss, so to speak. You have to be aggressive with who you're calling up next, and I think that's going to be Sam Poulin's chance to prove that he maybe belongs with this club and let's talk about you yeah, nice little segue there we got to see um jesse pull you pull you yep. pull you jarvis uh, first game yesterday with the pens how did you feel he played perfectly fine uh it wasn't like something super exciting but if you look he dumps the puck in causes a little bit of chaos buckets turned over letang scores tangible impact right away he forced a few turnovers he's a big guy like i knew he was tall but like you watch him play he's heavier than what he looks and he's not afraid to get physical. Like, he's not going to throw big bruising body checks, but he's going to fight along the boards for pucks. He's going to fight for space when fighting for loose pucks at center ice. The muscle guy's out. He really didn't have any glaring errors, which when you consider how bad the bottom six has been at certain points this year, that's an improvement. A break-even guy who is occasionally going to make simple plays just to transition the puck out of the out of the O-zone and into the offense, or out of the D-zone into the O-zone, excuse me. That's an improvement. You will take that. I think that's a very good winger to have on your third line, probably from now until the end of the year. And he had a couple decent chances where he just put the puck on that, kept play simple. The reason Edmonton was willing to give up on him, hip resurfacing uh, surgery aside, is he just didn't score enough to justify his draft stock where he was taken. But he's not a bad hockey player. He's an NHL talent. 
He's on a two-year, essentially prove-it deal, a little bit above league minimum. We'll see where he goes. How but, about, um, I did like you, his performance. You've been here live. How how was the, how was the skating? How was the skate fine? Everything was skating with him. I don't think it's ever been an issue. I don't think it was his issue at Edmonton. And I thought he was perfectly good last night. I mean, especially considering the surgery he had. Um, That's how I was wondering if there was any slowness from the. There were definitely the times you could see, like if the puck rotated low to high. He got caught. Not just him. It was him and Eller and uh, Raquel, who I don't like Raquel on that line. By the way, it's a total aside. But um, that line got trapped in the D zone once in. They got really, it was Nikolai Ehlers kind of turned Poyarvi inside out. And Ehlers is a phenomenal player. He can do that to a lot of really good players. But you, you could tell maybe a little bit with how quickly he can rotate when trying to open up his hips to keep with a forecheck, keep up with a guy bringing the puck in on the forecheck. But um, besides that, I really didn't notice anything. The real test is going to be, does he wear down over time with an injury like that? Is he going to get, he was good in the AHL, but it's different game speed. So as we get five, six, seven, eight games into this stint and back into the big league, is he going to break down again? Because that's the concern with this injury. It's not the window while he's playing. It's is he just going to immediately going to break down again, or is he going to lose steam and just not be able to skate for prolonged periods of time? Especially the back-to-backs coming up this weekend. That'd be nice to see. if That's I actually mean, a very good point with their loaded you, schedule. And you've already said, too, you think that he he's, he's a guy that should be there the rest of the year. He's... In a perfect world, I think him and Drew O'Connor are your right and left wings, respectively, on that third line. In a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. But in a perfect world, I think those two being the wingers for uh, Lars Eller would be a quality third line. Um, I, have, I I actually, I know early in the game, he had a quick little little shot on that. Um, yep. Eller set him up from like behind the net. kind of. It thing. was like a low, little low to high chip play. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a great chance. You probably want him to elevate. That was a bad, it was a rough angle and. It's a rough was, angle, and Hellebuck's very aggressive, and he's very tall. Like he, So he takes away a lot of space when he comes out, but it's the simple play. We've seen too many times this year, even a low-percentage shot like that, somebody passes it up, they do some behind-the-back pass, they clear it over to the boards, they turn the puck over, and they immediately get counterpunched on the uh, return play up the ice. I'll take what he did in that sequence versus what they got out of most of Rodham Zahorna <laughs> this year. Yeah. Like. Just by virtue of making a simple play that doesn't end in a turnover is an improvement. I, I like having this kid. I do. I um, I know he's never gonna he's never gonna match his draft stock, and there's a lot of guys that don't. But I mean, he could he could still have a, especially if he can bounce back from. That's a tough injury to come back from, man. I mean, anybody any age. The precedent he, for hip resurfacing surgeries is grim, man. Like it, like Nick Backstrom had it, who's a lot older, but like that guy's never gonna play again. Um. Some NFL running backs have had it. They, they never really played more than a season again after they had the hip resurfacing surgery. So we'll see. Like, if Jesse Pujarvi lasts in the league for more than a few years, to me, that's a success coming back from the procedure that he had done. Because that is brutal. Like, we've seen how bad Patrick Kane looks at times post that same exact procedure. Like, it's just a brutal procedure to, procedure to come back from. I agree. And before we go on to the next... um talk about our games coming up this weekend against one of our old uh, favorites we'll be going up against hopefully um talk about the other guy he'd be going up against and is it time to give Tristan Jari a little bit of credit six six shutouts leads the league um and we talked about it a little bit off the air he wasn't really tested the whole game through but there was a time when the Jets were on him and and they did score a goal but it was waved off I mean is Jari is Jari starting to come into his own 
I think so. The Jets had about a seven to eight minute stretch of the third period where the Penguins couldn't get a shot. Like they, they literally had no zone time. It culminates with the Shifley goal, which gets waved off. And that kind of lets the air out of the balloon. And the Penguins coasted to, from there because the Jets let them coast. Like they, they just kind of look totally deflated. But um, yeah, I think Jari's proving that he is going to be the guy come playoff time if he's healthy. But the thing with Jari is and until I see him do it in the postseason, I think I'm going to be apprehensive. The last time we saw him healthy in the postseason was that disastrous Islander series with the cleared puck to Anthony Beauvillier in overtime, um, getting scored on from behind the net by uh, Matt Martin, like just banking pucks (laughs) off of you. Like that was the only time we've seen Tristan Jari healthy for game one to game six in the case of that series of a playoff series. And until I see him put it together for a whole playoff series, I don't think I'm ever going to be sold. I'm very much of a prove it mindset with him and a lot of the team, frankly, it's not just him, but um, in the regular season, I think he's the guy you still got to relieve him some starts because again, he is injury prone. I think you got to work Nadelkovich in there from time to time just for the sake of workload management. And Sullivan seems to trust Nadelkovich, which is fine. Like you don't want to, you don't want, your backup to be a guy, your goalie, your uh, coach is terrified to go to, like we saw with Casey DeSmith sometimes last year. So you feel a lot, you feel a lot, you feel a lot better with the Penguins goalie situation going into the playoffs. I feel better going healthy. in than I have since 2018, probably. That's good. I mean, really, I, the last time that Matt Murray was healthy. And I agree. I think Nadalkovich has been. He, he's he's stolen. I mean, we have eight. We have eight shutouts as a team. So he has two shutouts, and you know his his games as well. So Penguins have done a very um. The goalies have not gotten the credit they should have gotten this year so far, and hopefully Jari keeps it going. I mean, that was they like- have as of, I, I haven't looked today, but as of last week, they were like the fourth best goaltending tandem on aggregate. So you're getting top five goaltending again. I've said it a lot. If you can keep your special teams above water, they're a playoff team with the goaltending they're getting and the production they're getting out of the Crosby line. That's a playoff team. If you can get the power play to equalize and help buoy the goaltending a little bit. All right, this weekend we got we got the, we get to see the Jets again, which well we get to see Minnesota on Friday, Winnipeg uh, on Saturday, back to back on the road. It would have been, I guess, if you're not not a morbid hockey guy, but a guy that likes to see fighting, it'd have been sort of nice maybe to see Dylan in the lineup for the game just to see if the uh, if the Penguins would have reacted. But um, it's but different. Ended. I don't think you're going to get much. Like you might. It- Honestly, the Penguins always kind of have chippy games against the Jets, if you recall. There's the Malkin headshot on Blake Wheeler. Um, Years ago, there was James Neal absolutely demolishing one of their older goalies, uh, Andre Pavlik, in the net and then scoring a hat trick in the same game (laughs) that he probably should have been ejected from. Uh, Like, There's been a lot of really weird chippy games with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. And I think that's just a product of how the Jets play. Uh, they are a very physical team. They're a very big team. All of their centers are big. All of their defensemen, for the most part, are heavy-bodied guys. Even though Dustin Bufflin and some of the, that old guard and Blake Wheeler are gone, they're still a physically big team. I wouldn't be shocked if, on average, they were the heaviest team in the NHL because they look that way. It's the way they play. It's the way Rick Bonus likes to play. So I think we'll see a chippy game, but I don't think we're going to see anything ridiculous just by virtue of Dylan not being there. And Achari one of the only guys on the Penguins who may be likely to throw a massive body check that's a, yeah, with the guy Dylan hit. So he's out of the lineup. They just don't really have that element to the team, so to speak. Drew O'Connor's physical, but he's not going to fight somebody. And he's not going to blow someone up with a big body check the same way Achari would. Let's go to the first game, too, Friday night. This could be, as we talked about before we got on, 
this could be the last time that uh, Mark Andre Fleury's on the same ice as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Um, first off, do you think? Do you, are you hoping that we at least get to see him that he plays? I do. Um, and, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Fleury says no. His story, he hasn't played well against the Penguins at all since he's left the team. Even when he was on those really good Vegas teams, they were blowing leads. The Penguins chased them. I mean, he was giving up goals to like Ian Cole. Like it was just like an absolute disaster the last couple of times he's played the Penguins. Part of that was the Blackhawks were really bad too. That didn't help him in the, the a couple of rough games that he's had. But, um, I hope we get to see him because, again, I, like you said, I think this is the last time he will play against the Pittsburgh Penguins unless someone in the Eastern Conference trades for him. I don't know if that's going to be the case. If you think about teams in the East that might want a goalie, New Jersey, but does New Jersey really want to mortgage the future right now, especially with losing two guys recently in McLeod and Foot? Like, how are they looking at the rest of the year? Buffalo's getting decent goaltending, even though they're on the bubble. Now, it's been erratic, but it's not been horrible. It's been better than what Flurry's done. Um, like, I think if anybody's going to trade Flurry, it's probably going to be out west. A team like an Edmonton or yeah. I could see Dallas taking a flyer on him if the Wild are willing to trade in their own division. Um, ironically, I think the Jets could use him uh, in, in terms of their backup situation. Now, I'm pretty sure he has a no move, so we'll have to see what happens. But um, I hope they see him because this is probably going to be it. I just don't think anyone in the Eastern Conference is going to trade for him, and I don't think he plays beyond this year. You think he is done after this year? I I think so. I have no insider information to say that one way or the other. I haven't seen it written. His play's just not been great. He, yeah. He's 39, I believe, correct? He'll be 40 if he would play into the next season. Like I, I think it's just we're at a crossroads with him where I, I think it, we're at the end of the line. I just don't see what he stands to gain unless someone gives him a massive contract, which probably won't happen. I just don't see him coming back and continuing the play. Let the Penguin fans know. What, what are we going to see in Minnesota? What's the Minnesota Wild like issue? We know the Jets now from, from playing them yesterday, which we know we're going to see a, a brutal game. You know, it's hard to beat a team twice um, a team that, that quick. Could, for sure. Uh, mm. With the Wild, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw in the first matchup, where the Penguins, I think they're comfortably better than them. Now, part of that is they have a lot of dead cap space because of the Parise and Suter buyouts. That was a gamble that Bill Guerin made. And to this point, he's kind of lost. The Wild really haven't done much. They don't, And because of those buyout uh, weights they have on their salary book, it's very hard for them to make moves. All of the moves have to be in the margins, and they all have to be perfect. Now, getting Brock Faber from Minnesota, or from LA, excuse me, in the Fiala deal, great move. That's been a great bargain move, but then you're going to have to pay Brock favor pretty soon while those buyouts are still in the book. Like they're going to have to sell off assets. Like you have Kaprizov, you have Faber, you have Erickson Eck, you have Matt Boldy, uh, Marco Rossi. You have some young pieces there, but the pieces around them just aren't good enough. They're not a deep enough team. The goaltending simply isn't good enough. Their decor really isn't that great. Once you get beyond Brodeen and Spurgeon, especially with Dumba gone, um, you have three guys, kind of similar how the Penguins are. You have three defensemen that you think are pretty good. Everyone else is varying degrees of mediocre to bad. The Wild kind of have that issue defensively, but they don't have the offensive punch the Penguins have. So it, it kind of leaves them in the lurch a little bit. I don't think they're a playoff team this year, and I think they're going to be sellers come the deadline sooner rather than later. So we got two games we, we could win. I mean, it's going to be, like I said, we already talked about that the Jets are going to be a tough um, it's tough to beat a team that good. Um, after you just beat them, especially after you just shut them out, I mean that's even, even more of a um 
a little bit of a whammy that the Jets want to come in and, and play play a better game if they're getting shut out. So it'll be interesting. Do you, as a fan, as a guy that loves hockey, do you think Nadalkovich definitely goes against Minnesota and you go with Jari again? Do you go with the same uh, goalie place against the I, I would go Ned than Jari, and it's not because I think – I'm trying to go to phrase this. Jari is the goalie I want in if you're playing against a team who can reliably score goals, which I think the Winnipeg Jets can. Even though they just got shut out, that's not the norm for them. They're a pretty good 5v5 team. Um, And their power play is kind of mediocre, and Jari at times really struggles on the power play. Not so much this year, I'll give him credit. But historically, Jari's not been a great goalie on the power play, or on the PK, I should say. so I would probably play him against the Jets, and I would go Nadelkovich against the Minnesota. If for no other reason, I want my better goalie playing against the better team. I agree with that. And I, I I think it's always um, God to shut him out. Just why not? I mean, I'm not to say he's going to shut him out again, but it's always a hey, maybe. You know, make it puts a little bit of pressure on the Jets. Same goalie just went against. I mean, you got to go against that guy that just shut you out. I know how that is it, in any sport. You go against a pitcher in baseball that threw a one hitter or two hitter against you or a no hitter against you. You, you want to you that extra pressure. Like we can't have him uh, dominate us again. So I think that's a, I think that's a fair deal. I think Nadelkovich will definitely be the um, goaltender against Minnesota um, team of the week. And they made some news about about a month, two months ago, about a month, month and a half, two months ago, Patrick Waugh was named their, uh, their head coach. Yeah. About a month, I think three or four weeks actually is probably more accurate. Cause we have, the, yeah. we have all the all-star break stuff. And then you got the uh, New York Islanders who have some great talent like Matthew Barzell, uh, Noah Dobson. Um, they got a, uh, a young, one of the better young goalies in the league uh, on paper, at least. He's not like we're going to get into it. He's not, not playing as well as he should be. But um, after that, I mean, they got a couple guys on their team that I've always really liked as, as players. And I always wanted one of these guys to play for the Penguins and it's Cal Clutterbuck. I know he's at the, He's at the deeper stage of his career now. He's not going to do as much as he used to, but he was one of them guys that I always wanted to, always wanted to become a Penguin, like a third or fourth liner for us as uh, as Cal Clutterbuck. But talk about the Islanders. So the Islanders, to me, are the vanilla ice cream of hockey teams. There is nothing about them that's exceptionally good at all, really. Their goaltending is what you think their strengths would be, has been... Pretty much average. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, I'm, I'm looking at hockey reference right now, at the moment's at a 9-10, which is slightly below league average, but 10 save percentage points below his career average. Not a good year for Sorokin so far. But I don't know how much blame I heap on him. The Islanders are negative in goal differential. They are negative in the expected goals for versus negative uh, versus expected goals against. And in real goals for and real goals against, they're also negative. They are a minus three goal differential team despite sitting fourth in the Metropolitan. And it's one of the biggest reasons I think the Penguins will pass them. I just don't think they're a consistently good enough team. Their points percentage is worse than the Penguins. Um, The bright spots for them, though, as you said, Matt Barzow is 52 points. But tied with Barzow at 52 points, I think, is the story of the Islander season. And that's Noah Dobson. I think if you had me right now say, who are your Norris Trophy favorites? I would go Kale McCarr one, Quinn Hughes two, and I think Noah Dobson's three. And I think after Noah Dobson at three, it's a precipitous drop-off. I don't think anyone's close to those three dudes right now. 
in terms of just these are guys that are going to get significant Norris Trophy votes and first place Norris Trophy votes specifically coming down to the end of the year. It's rare that a defenseman leads his team in scoring. We saw it with Carlson last year. We've seen it Yossi a few times, but it normally doesn't happen in the modern league. Just with scoring being up a little bit, typically it's your centers that are getting those kind of bloated point totals. Um, so Dobson's been special for them. Um, then he's you a have plus Bo- twenty. He's a plus twenty one, which is phenomenal on a team. Yes, that- I'm actually looking right now, and I know a lot of people don't like the way into the nitty gritty of the expected goals and Corsi four and all that, but he is the second best hockey, best second best defenseman so far in hockey this year, in terms of the like the aggregate difference between chances he's creating versus chances he's allowing. The only guy who's been better is Kale McCarr. He's actually been better than Quinn Hughes, but Quinn Hughes' point totals are so high because of how ridiculous the Canucks have been offensively. Um, so I think, to me, Dobson's the story of the Islanders in terms of the Patrick Waugh coaching change remains to be seen. It's The sample is too small. They're still up and down. They're not great. This is not – I said this to you before off the air. This is not the Barry Trotts um, – grit and grind if you remember the grit and grind memphis grizzlies in the nba with zach randolph and those guys that's kind of what the (laughs) islanders did score by committee make you uncomfortable keep the game low scoring restrict movement and free space to the neutral zone that's not this islanders team they give up a lot of chances and part of that is pulak and pelic have been hurt a little bit this year but even when they've been healthy in the lineup those guys haven't been as steady as they've been the bottom half of their lineup surprisingly old when you think about it uh, let me see here. I'm looking right now. Even their perceived young guys, Hudson Fashing's 28. Uh, Pierre Engvall's 27. Clutterbuck, as you mentioned, is 36. Uh, Matt Martin is 34. Um, uh, let me see who else is here. Like they're just, in, and then the guys that are younger. I'm you mistaken. They're they're in the top. They're, they're right after the. I think they're right near the Penguins. I know the Penguins are the oldest team, but. I think the Islanders, the Islanders are, are not four, far uh, behind, and they are a team that really, once you get beyond Barzell, Dobson, and Horvat, they have nobody threatening for a point per game. Uh, Brock Nelson is at who is also thirty-two years old, by the way. Doesn't seem what's, like. What's Kyle still, Palmieri? Palmieri's got to be up to her in age too. Thirty-two, and he's their fifth leading scorer with only twenty-nine points. Like this team is just not deep enough. They're not productive enough. Their special teams, especially the power play, simply are not good enough. And when you couple that with their goaltending kind of regressing a little bit. Now, I'll give Varlamov credit. Varlamov's actually been decent when he's been called upon this year. But it's Sorokin's team. This They are going to go as far as he takes them. And like I said, he's been 10 points below his career save percentage average this year, which just isn't good enough. Not for how deep that team is. Do the Islanders, if they, if they start to really start to lose, can you see them selling? Or do you think they're going to be a buyer? I see them selling. I don't know who they're going to sell. I, I don't know what the marketable pieces are. Um, maybe somebody still values Casey Sezikis for some reason, but he's 32. And again, looking at hockey ref, uh, hockey reference minus five, he's atrocious at five V five this year. Um, Oliver Wallstrom was a young kid was supposed to be a big part of them. He only has six points in 24 games. Like, I, I just don't know what you're going to get pieces for. Maybe someone's going to overvalue. Maybe you think Alexander Romanov, who's a 24-year-old defenseman for them, who's probably not going to be aged out properly whenever the Islanders are done rebuilding. Because I think that's where this is going. They had those two back-to-back kind of fluky conference finals appearances purely on the Trot system. Trotz is now gone, and they've regressed to the mean. They are just a very flawed hockey team. Um, and they did have to move on from Lane Lambert. I think that guy was in over his head. I just don't know Patrick Waugh's the answer. And 
in the small sample so far, it doesn't look like he's the answer. I, I was a little shocked. Just as a, a name hiring that I was like, you know, you didn't really hear out of left field. Out of left field. It's been a minute since I've seen Wah mentioned in any. Yeah, that's Head the go. same thing. So we got Minnesota, we got Winnipeg. We'll come back next week talk about them. And I think we also have Florida on Wednesday, either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Florida, we got at home. So the Penguins are they're going to start playing games, of course, to make up for these um four games in hand. We're going to start playing. And you even said before, um, our late February schedule was intense. It's in, it's insane. So. We'll find out a lot about this team by the second week of March. Honestly, that started that second week in March. We'll know if the, where the Penguins are going to be and what they're going to do by that yeah, time. I'm very comfortable in saying that. Hopefully, they come back. I mean, like I said, I was I was worried about how these veterans, after spending a week on the beach or wherever they were, you know, except for like Sid, um, you know, they got, got to get some time away, and they they proved me they they, they did well. They came back. You said they didn't play the greatest game of the season, but they played they played well enough to shut out a really good, Certainly. really good Winnipeg Jets team. So, but Darren, thank you so much, uh, guys. Get on www.draft412.com. Uh, it will be coming www.draftnation.com here soon enough. But come talk to us about the Penguins. Um, me and Darren May in a couple couple weeks. We might even go live here um, once we start hitting out and. Let's get some questions and answers from people, and we'll go from there. But next week, Darren, we'll talk about the uh, the Wild, the Jets, and then maybe even the Panthers, depending thank on what night we go, and we'll get it going. But thank you so much for your time, Darren. Thank you, guys. Thank you for and having me. These are now off the clock with the Penguins Hockey Talk. Thank you, guys. <laughs>